Sean Sewell with the Engagement.com podcast. The third episode in 2021. I'm really excited to have my friend Cody Jarrett from Expedition Strength down in Florida onto this show. Cody, welcome. Thanks for being here. Hello, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So a little bit about Cody. Well, a lot we're going to talk about actually, but he's new to being a fitness entrepreneur. So we're going to talk about that. He's also very quickly gone from SFG to SFG2 in less than a year. That's huge. I haven't done that. So that, that's something to talk about. And also he's a very avid outdoorsman. So this is going to be really fun to talk about on the Engagement Podcast because we're gear freaks over here. So he actually came to Colorado to do a bike packing trip. And uh, I want to learn more about that. So I guess there's a lot to talk about. We'll try to get it all in one episode here. But so Cody, right. um, what brought you into fil- uh, health and fitness in the first place? You know, I think the first complex book I ever read that wasn't something that was in the uh, library middle school was the Arnold Schwarzenegger's modern or Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding, which, oh, yeah. you know, it was like that thick, very complex. So I was like a 11, 12 year old kid reading that stuff. And I was just always into it. Um, one of the biggest Christmas presents I remember getting was like those really small sports authority weight benches. And I thought it was just the greatest thing ever. You know, I was an athlete through high school. So that uh, drilled it into me more. Once I went to college, I, you know, it's just always been a part of my life. I've always placed a high, high value on a health and fitness, not to say I've always been 100, uh, you know, operated with 100% fidelity towards it. You know, I've fallen off the path for weeks and months at a time. I feel like just like most people have, um, and, and just in the past few years, I feel like after, you know, bashing my head against it for 15, 20 years, I'm finally starting to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I can appreciate that. And if anybody's dedicated and consistent is Cody. If you look at his Instagram, it is awesome. <laughs> always, almost always the same picture, about 4 a.m., 4.30, give or take. Right around 4.30, yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, it, I find it inspiring. It's, I thought at first this guy is really funny, right, because it's always the same picture. But it's, it's consistency, and so it helps me with my consistency, and I'm sure other people as well. Um so yeah, thanks for posting those. It's motivating. Yeah, I swear I was doing that before Jocko was, but he made it more famous than I did. <laughs> Jocko, yeah, he does that. But yeah, right. it's a good time to get up. Uh, for, for decades, I got up at 4.30 myself. This year is the first year where I'm not doing that. And it's so weird to me to, to have my mornings back for myself because it was, I was up at 4.30, go train at 5.30 or 6 a.m. class. Now it's like 4.30, I can get up and work or I can lay in bed, the dogs and the wife, and sometimes a mixture of both. I hear you. Yeah. Well, what started all of that is, um, let's see here, about two years ago, my wife and I purchased a uh, rental property. So my flow was I would come home from work and immediately go work on the rental property because I'm somewhat of a handyman, uh, amateur, YouTube educated, you know, we know yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my training started to suffer. And like, like I said, training is very important to me. It's like my rock in my life. You know, it's something that I can always go back to. So I was like, well, if I'm going to come home and start working on the uh, rental house, I just started waking up early and getting my training in first thing. And that was, you know, three years ago. And ever since then, it's, I just don't sleep in anymore. I just enjoy getting up. That's my time. There's no distractions there. It works out just fine for me. That's very wise. I, I love, I respect that. Yeah. Get your stuff done. Take care of yourself first. So you can go on with your, your family. Right. Yeah. I feel like if my day were to end at 6 a.m., I'd already had a productive day, you know? <laughs> Good way of looking at it. I dig it. Right. Well, you have a new training partner. Can I mention this? Absolutely, yes. All right. So, uh, three weeks ago, welcome to yeah, you know, to yeah. The... Congrats, man. Yeah, we um uh, had my firstborn child. Her name is Skylar. Um, yeah, she'll be three weeks tomorrow, and uh, 
coincidentally enough, one of her prime sleeping time tends to be during my workout time. So my wife and I have, uh, we're, we're a really good team. So uh, she'll take the night shift and I'll take the early morning shift, which is what I like anyway. So we're getting in the habit now where I'll, uh, you know, I'll wake her up, feed her and she'll pass back out. You know, she's, she's milk wasted. So I'll bring her out here with me. And, um, you know, we were joking earlier how I'm finding that my, uh, my gains are a lot more now because of all the eccentric loading. Because I'm trying to be somewhat quiet. Like I'm not slamming barbells and kettlebells around anymore. So now when I'm doing those deadlifts that were touch and go, I'm, I'm, I'm really emphasizing that eccentric to not wake the baby. So uh, it works out pretty fun. But uh, since she's been born, I have not missed a session and she has not missed a session with me. Like I, I love my training sessions even more now in the morning. There's something just... I'm over here, you know, busting butt, trying to get worked. I just glance over there and see you're sleeping. And I just, I, I love it. You know, I, I can't describe it any other way. I just, I just love it. It's fantastic. I can tell in your face. I, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy for you. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and also back to Arnold, uh, there's a famous Arnold quote. If you can't pick the, if you can't put the weight down, don't pick it up. So there you go. Yeah. Yep. You're mastering that for baby's sake. <laughs> I love That's it. That's right. Oh, this is great. So Skylar and you hitting at 4.30 in the morning. And um, what gets you going at 4.30? What are you drinking that cup there? <laughs> uh, it's coffee every morning. So yeah, I, I actually train fasted. Um, I know that may not be the most like nutritionally prudent advice. It just works for me. I wake up and I, well, I, I slam a protein shake with some uh, carbohydrates in it. Uh, then I typically go for a walk around the neighborhood just to wake up a little bit more and warm up. And then, you know, within 30 minutes of getting out of bed, I'm in here, uh, ready to go. Yeah. I just have black coffee every morning that gets me going. I dig it. Yeah. I love coffee. And like you, I often train fasted too. Um, Dr. Craig Markers brought up a really good point. Training fasted helps with the, the cellular regeneration and stuff. So, right. yeah. So it does a, a, a big perk to that. Although if I'm going to hit it hard, probably not as hard as you're hitting it. I do like to have a meal and do it in the early afternoon for myself. That's just my circadian rhythm. But yeah, yeah. Again, I'm not saying what I'm doing is uh, optimal, but I'm not necessarily going for optimal. I'm going for what works for me. Exactly. And that's important. Right. For people, like it, this doesn't matter about anybody else. This is your health and fitness. What works for you? Right, right, right. Yeah. I, um, I went to a strong endurance seminar and became familiar with all of those as well. That was actually one of my, that was my first and only time meeting Pavel. And uh, that was such an awesome experience. It's out there in Colorado. Um, I went lot last October out there. It was fantastic. Really? Oh my yeah. goosebumps. Yeah. All right. Bam. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of my favorite seminars. Um, yeah, I went to the very first Strong Endurance Pavel presented is in 2017. Just a complete eye opener, right? I don't know about you, but like, no, it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what was some big takeaways for you? So, um, for the this was probably after me being into kettlebells for like four months or five months. Like when I start, like I, I just became obsessed and enamored with it. Um, so I guess this is going to go back to one of our other talking points. Uh, last summer, summer 2019, I've, I've been, you know, I've been healthy and fit most of my life. I've had, I've done barbell training, fancied myself kind of a pseudo power lifter, never put up any impressive numbers, but you know, just being fit. And then just, I, I got bored and I decided to pick up a kettlebell and I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm looking online, I'm Googling things. And then I, you know, find strong first. Of course, if you Google kettlebells, you're going to find strong first. And then I, I just went head into it. I'm like, man, wow. At first, I don't know anything. I thought I did. I don't know anything Two, I really like the culture and I like what these people are saying. Um, yeah. And then I, I just went head first into it and educated myself as much as possible. I attended the one day kettlebell uh, seminar. I attended strong endurance. This is all leading up to my SFG one. And I feel like I learned a lot of things in that 
strong endurance course that helped prepare me for SFG one. I, I, it was just, uh, I never appreciated the, uh, meticulous science that goes into training and programming, which is something that I, I personally enjoy. Like I love sitting down on, ex, on Excel and planning out my program for the next eight weeks. It's like one of the things that I geek out about. Oh, you're going to do good as a <laughs> professional then. <laughs> really good. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the nerdy stuff behind the scenes. If, if a person hires somebody like Cody, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and that's, you know, testament to that right there. Well, to your point too, I thought, what a great way to start. Like you, um, play with kettlebells and went to the one day course, loved everything about it, the culture, the philosophy, the, the depth of knowledge. Yes. It's very helpful. So if you are kettlebell curious, I definitely recommend checking out the one day course. It'll either flip a switch, watch it will flip a switch for people like Cody and myself, but probably anybody out there. I found one thing that really attracted me to it is that it is, and I know this is a common, uh, strong for saying is that strength is a skill is that there's a high level of skill involved in kettlebell lifts in particular. And, uh, you know, shifting my training to think about more as practiced in a grind session or, you know, grunting and getting the pump, which are all awesome and all fun to do. And I do them from time to time, but I really like coming in here, you know, just like, okay, this is my practice time. Strength is a skill. I like it because it's hard because it's challenging. Right. You know, um, you know picking up a heavy deadlift off the floor with good technique is very challenging. It's a different kind of challenge trying to do a one hand uh, one handed overhead kettlebell press at half body weight you know i like like <laughs> I, I recently achieved that actually for sfg2 and like the amount of time and training and programming and trial and error that went into that i was like well i probably could have added like 50 pounds to my deadlift in the time it took me to uh get this half body weight overhead press that's impressive no pun intended but that's, <laughs> that's really good right it's right. It is a skill. And there's all these little minutiae you learn in the programming about irradiation and tension. And yep. it's just, it's really important stuff. And yeah, what's even mo more frustrating is the uh, more I learn, the more I get frustrated with myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm making improvements across every domain. But as I learn, as I, you know, uh, seek more coaching, I just get more and more frustrated. I say that in a joking way. Sure. But it's like, man, just when I think I'm learning things, I have so much more to learn. It's uh consistent perpetual process of being humbled yes again, like i said since i've kind of gotten on the uh working with strong first and those coaches and educating myself i this is uh overall the most consistent and uh the best training i've had in my entire life i can honestly say that saying quite a bit that is saying quite a bit and i need to give more credit to where credit's due here your progression from going from a, a one-day course to strong endurance to sfg1 to sfg2 the timeline is a year is that right? One year total. Yeah. That's incredible. So you're yeah, um, a kettlebell bug for sure. Yeah. I, I just, again, like, like I um, got at the time, last time I got bored for lack of better terminology with the gym bro and barbell training, which again, it's still fun to do from time to time. And I just went headfirst into it made plenty of mistakes along the way. It's like, you know, you're learning, how do people do snatches without ripping their hands to shred? So there's that learning curve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Though if I could do it all over again, I uh, would have taken more time between SFG one and SFG two. I feel like I jumped in that one pretty fast. Um, I, I feel like uh, at SFG one, I was very well prepared for, and I, I did exceptionally well. SFG two, I, I struggled in. Like there were some uh, some monsters there at SFG two, and uh, it was very humbling for me to not be, uh, I guess, one of the better performers. And it, it, again, like. Uh, at SFG2, I actually failed the uh, half body weight press portion. That was the first time in my adult life where there's something that I trained for and I didn't pass it. 
normally when I put my mind to something, I'm typically met with success. You know, I've had that my entire adult life. So in hindsight, failing that half body weight press at SFG2 was probably one of the best things that happened to me because that opened up a new level of obsession and meticulous attention to detail that I didn't know I had. So when I came back from my, you know, my bikepacking trip in Colorado, I, I just poured over everything, started getting deep into some of Pavel's old work, um, ended up doing the rite of passage program, which is a pressing program. And what do you, what do you know, at the end of the rite of passage program, I was able to press a half body weight for multiple reps. So it's a learning process. Yeah. Always learning. I love that. And to speak to Cody's point here, failure is good. I mean, it's, if you're always succeeding, like, what are you learning in that process? It's nice to get exactly. Yes. Like you, uh, my first SFG one, I came in, I was like, Oh, I'm fit. No, I wasn't in my ass. <laughs> right. Yeah, in a big way. Uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad it happened really. Well, this is great. So the bike packing trip, um, you came out mm-hmm. here that was before the SFG, before you passing it. Let's talk about the bike. Pa- what got you into bike packing in the first place? So I guess when I was in college, um, the best form of transportation I found was a bike. So I bought a bike and that was my transportation to and from class. And I'm like, hey, I kind of like this. There happened to be a nice long trail. This is a road riding, uh, road cycling. And then just over the years, I just got more and more into it. I started uh, very much getting into bike uh, bike wrenching, building my own bike. So I have a stable right over here with uh, four of my bikes that are all built by myself. So one of my favorite, this may not be the most cost-effective thing to do, but uh, I love hand-selecting individual components for all my bikes. I My wife and I have kind of matching fat bikes. And then we both have our road racing bikes that we used to do triathlons back when uh, in our younger days, if you will. But I, yeah, I can say there is no other bikes on the planet that are like ours. Like uh, everything is hand selected. And uh, I, I, I love that. Now, bikepacking specifically, I've always enjoyed camping. I've enjoyed biking for the past decade or so. And then come to find out there, uh, there's a marriage of the two and it's called bikepacking. Right. Uh, there is a gentleman who lives in our area. He goes by uh, the single track samurai, the naked Indian is his trail name. And he's kind of a trailblazer here in Florida, like literally a trailblazer uh, developing bikepacking routes. And we hooked up somehow and he just, you know, happily shared with me, hey man, try this route out here in Florida, something local. My wife and I did it involved going up the East Coast is like 250 miles total. And uh, we, we didn't camp that we were, uh, it was bed and breakfast hopping, so to speak. But that was a nice introduction into it. And since then, you know, I've just had the bug. I tried to get as much as possible for big trips. It's only, you know, two or three times a year. But uh, I love doing weekend trips here local. Um, yeah, there, there's something really exciting to me about being able to be self-sufficient off of a bike. Uh-huh. And I prefer the bike because compared to hiking, hiking is awesome. But I like being able to actually travel distance. You know, when you're hiking with gear on, it's like, man, 15 miles, that was a good day. A good but day. on a bike, sometimes you can get 50, 60, depending on the train. Or if you're in Colorado, 10 miles. Right. <laughs> in one day so yeah it's just my preferred method of transportation i was a bike commuter too to and from work for two years um so it's just always been a part of my life you know i can't wait for when um my baby girl is old enough and i could just start riding her around town you know in the trailer on the back of the bike so these are the things i enjoy doing in my free time <laughs> i can respect that we have a lot of bike packers on our engagement team um, like like you I, I have a fat bike it's nowhere near the level of your wife and yours it's the uh, I put together, came in a box, motor cane or something like that. It's titanium frame. Yep. You know what? I enjoy pedaling. I like biking around. Um, I I have bike packed a few times, but not the level of Cody has. I, I want I want to pick your brain on what kind of gear you carry because 
I'm taking notes over here, honestly, what to, what to pick up. So what goes in your kit for bikepacking? Uh, it is very uh, weather dependent. Um, now, so one first, I would not say that I'm the best source of information for gear because if I could pack for Colorado uh, all over again, I would change quite a bit. Um, and that trip in particular, I think I underestimated how cold it gets in the middle of July. Like who would have thought at 10,000 or 11,000 feet, you know, you wake up the morning of July 4th and it's uh, 35 degrees up in the mountains with frost on the ground. Easily have snowed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, when I do trips here in Florida, it is very easy for me to have a very streamlined setup because, uh, you know, insulation does take up quite a bit of volume, not so much weight, but volume. So on this particular trip, I had to have panniers, which are the bags on both sides of my bike. You know, that, that reduces things like aerodynamics, makes the bike a little bit harder to handle and things like that. But I've, as a general rule, I have just found that uh, heavier stuff, keep low and in the center. Uh, sure. Bulkier, lighter stuff, keep on your handlebars. Okay. Uh, again, heavier objects keep centered over your real rear axle. That's just good for handling. And again, especially on the Colorado Trail, where it's it's pretty gnarly single track out there in a lot of places. Um, and I found that having a that handling to be pretty good. But again, if I could uh, do it all over again, there's definitely some things I would change up. Like my, I think uh, I struggled on the Colorado Trail. <laughs> um, if you saw some of my updates, uh, I think a lot. Again, you only realize this in hindsight. Uh, like my. I was having trouble staying hydrated because of where I was storing my water at was such a pain in the butt to get to. I would have to like stop my bike, undo a class, get the water off my bike, you know, drink it. It just took a process. So if I had to redo it, I'd do something more like a camelback and I would store that water because water is heavy. I'd store it in the frame bag deep down on my bike and have the tube coming up so I can just sip it regularly. Oh, that's wise. Like, that alone, like that one thing alone, I feel like if I were to redo the ship right now and keep everything else the same, but that one thing that would, I think changed a lot because again, I only realized in hindsight, I probably should have been drinking about two to three times as much water as I was. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm generally pretty healthy and drink a lot of water as it is, mm -hmm. but they're at altitude, grinding it out, pushing a bike uphill. Uh, but a lot of times like, oh man, I don't want to, I'm thirsty, but I don't want to stop to undo these straps to bend over and get water. So yep. unwisely, I would push on until I had to stop. So That's really good. Yeah. And how much water do you bring with you? And did you bring a water filter as well? I did. Um, and this is another thing, uh, maybe, maybe just paranoid. I brought two different forms of water filtration. So I'm a big fan of the two is one and one is none philosophy redundancy. But again, like, I'm not sure if that necessarily has a place in a bikepacking because ultimately, you know, at the Colorado trail, it's fairly well traversed. If I were like traveling through uh, Mongolia in the middle of nowhere with no civilization for two weeks, yeah. I might have to do that. But I had a an MSR uh, ceramic water pump, which I actually really loved. The big issue with that is that it's bulky. Yeah. I, I, I loved it and I'd recommend it highly. Um, I'm not sure if it's the greatest thing for bikepacking. Then I also had a Steripin uh, as a backup. So yeah. me, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So to clarify, his MSR is a water filter, which is great. And the Steripin is a water purifier. It disrupts the DNA. Correct. Which is smart because you have two different sources there. Yeah, and I, and I did do both. Um, and he, again, like I see the hardcore uh, backpackers out there who, uh, you know, just get water off a stream, drop like an iodine tablet in and they're good to go. And I'm like, man, that's respect, but I'm not at that level. <laughs> Actually, I hear because you could have animals higher than you and then it's, it's game over in that water. Right, right. I think I have enough challenges out there. Diarrhea is not, is not what I want to deal with. But hey, I can say um, 
you know, regardless of not drinking enough, the water that I did drink was fantastic. That glacial runoff with no uh, pathogens in it, it was great. Uh, he, yeah, you've got the good stuff. So uh, the SteriPen, did you have, I currently have a SteriPen and I think it has um, uh, AAA batteries for the, the power source. Which one do you use? I think this is the one generation after that one. Um, it, it's USB rechargeable, which is good because I actually did have to recharge it out on the trail. Um, I can't, I think the brand is SteriPen. That is a brand itself, right? Yeah, yeah, it's SteriPen. Um, I think it's called the Micro. It's really small. It's like the size of a thermometer. Oh, I need to look into that. Mine is yeah. old. All right, I'm going to reach out to those guys. We work with Yeah, them. if I could do water filtration all over again, I think I'd be a little less paranoid to probably just bring the SteriPen because that's the size of a thermometer versus the pump being the size of a, geez, almost like a one liter water bottle, maybe a little bit smaller. So again, volume is at a premium. So that's one thing I probably could have done without. So I'm with you. Honestly, looking back on your situation, the SteriPen for sure. And then uh, like Sawyer makes these really cool little ones that go on the bottle and they're the size of like two fingers. Yeah. Yeah. I saw again, like just the more, you know, cause I ran into people out there and those were very popular and very common. I'm the only, and I'm like the only guy there by the stream, you know, pumping with my hand pump, looking like a noob. It's like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> doing it. That's more credit to you, man. Uh, right. <laughs> what about shelter? What, what do you use for your shelter? Uh, I have a big Agnes tent. Uh, what, what was it called? Um, it's the fly Creek ultralight two. Uh, I, I absolutely love that thing. And just recently, actually, and I'm kind of bitter because I feel like I missed it by a few months. They made a bike packing specific version of that tent. Yeah. The key difference being that the poles break down even more so. Mm -hmm. So the pole, again, I love the tent. This is not a complaint at all. It's just like, man, I just wish I would have maybe waited a few months to buy it. I've had this tent for several years now, but being able to have the poles break down smaller frees up so many different places. You can hide them in your bike. What I ended up doing was um, I just put them on my rear rack and strapped them down with the bungee cord because they wouldn't fit anywhere else. So just having that luxury, not being able to do that, again, it's just more aerodynamic, a little bit more streamlined, less things to fall off your bike. That's really helpful. We actually work yeah, with but I, So I'll, I'll reach out to them about testing that, that and see if I can get you linked up with that. I am a big fan. All, all of my tents have uh, ever been from them. My sleeping system is from them as well. That, that They're like my go-to company for... Uh, anything sleeping related outdoors. Yeah, when I first got into camping, our my wife and I, our first tent we bought was a big Agnes tent. Oh, that's cool. And they're here from Colorado. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll love hearing this on the show. Um, have you, your wife and you use uh, two-person sleeping bags yet? <laughs> we seriously looked into it. Uh, we have not. Um, we, 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 she likes being in her own little cocoon. I like being in my own little cocoon. But yeah, sometimes there's, there's you know, it's, needed to share body warmth. But he, again, here in Florida, our winters aren't that harsh. So <laughs> we should prefer our own little cocoons. Now I can respect that. Um, we've tested some big ideas, two person sleeping bags as well as other companies. And my, my dogs and I will, will go in there and I actually give my wife and the dogs the two person and I'll go in the, my own. You're a kind man. Thank you. I, I try. <laughs> happy life, happy life. That's what we do here. Right. Awesome. So, uh, let's talk sleeping pad. Um, what do you use for that? Big Agnes. I'm so again, yeah, Big Agnes, the, uh, the Q-Core Deluxe. It's, it's one of their uh, more luxurious models, I guess. And again, I have no problems with how much it packs down or anything like that. They have lighter ones out there. But uh, again, when it comes to sleep, I'm willing to have a few extra ounces on my bike to have a good night's sleep. Now, again, this is one thing that I've uh, gradually learned through uh, my various trips is that for me to sleep 
comfortably, I have to let a lot of air out of the bag to sleep comfortably. So it's not feeling like I roll over the bounce off the pad. Sure. But what that does is that, you know, I, I weigh 195 pounds or so that causes my butt and hips to sink to where they touch the ground below. So when you're sleeping, when it's 30 degrees outside and you have your air pad and uh, your butt is touching the ground below when you're sleeping, that create, that is a very cold spot. So since then I've added, uh, again, their foam pad to my sleep kit as well. Only, this is only for super cool nights. I'm talking like near freezing temperatures and below. So is it more bulky? Yes. Does it add weight? Yes. But again, I'm not out there trying to set records or anything. I just enjoy the process. And for me, part of enjoying the process is getting a good night's sleep out under the stars in the woods. So if that means I have to bring a sleeping pad and a sleep or two sleeping pads, the air inflatable one and the foam pad below it, that works out for me. That's, that's a very good plan. And plus those don't break uh, closed cell foam. It's really durable, <laughs> really durable. Oh, oh yeah. I've, I've, I've beaten the hell out of mine and yeah, no issues. And yeah. For a sit pad too. So say it was cold, you could use that for a mm-hmm. sit pad. Or like when we're winter camping, we'll put it under our feet. That way we can sit outside. It, and people who are listening to us who have not camped in the cold, in cold perceptive to anybody, but ground will suck the energy and heat out of you. So whatever you can do to keep it from, I forget, forget if it's convection, convention, there's like three C's, but I forget. But you don't want to suck the heat out of you. So right. the trick that Cody's mentioning is very, very useful. Well, yeah. It- to that point, you also don't want wet, sweaty feet. So uh, yeah, you um, take your boots off and let your feet dry out mm-hmm. on that pad. That works out a lot better than going to bed with soggy feet. You do yeah. not want that. Wet. All is- lessons learned through experience here, Sean. Ditto. I fail every time I go out. We're going camping tomorrow night. What is today? Monday, Wednesday night we're going out. And um, I imagine temperatures will probably be in the single digits. So like you, anything I can do to keep warm. I don't care if I have a, two sleeping pads, two sleeping bags. Uh, here's my secret down pants. I love my puffy mountain hardware ghost whisperer down pants. They're like eight ounces, but you're basically wearing like sleeping bags on your legs. It's so cozy down pants. I've, I've heard of them, but okay. All right. I'll have to look into that. Oh, they're so good. We just got done testing their ghost whisperer two up, but the down pants are smaller than this right here in world of difference. Very nice. Yeah. This is fun talking about gear. I usually, we always talk about fitness and stuff, but we're in gear, man. We talk about gear. We do. Well, I think that's one of the things that originally drew me to you. Like I'm not big on social media in the sense that I'm actively seeking out people to follow. So like, um, you know, my Instagram wall, just for example, is curated to follow people that have, uh, you know, similar hobbies and interests, things that I find to be inspiring. Even if it's things I don't disagree with, it's like, okay, I can respect that things like that. And then I think you came up as a recommendation and it was first kettlebells. Like, okay, I have a lot of like different kettlebell people I'm following, but then it's like, Oh wait, this dude's also into outdoor activities and camping and gear. And I love all those things too. So, uh, cool. yeah, I really like the, uh, the well-roundedness if you will. So it is fun to talk about gear. Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, it's a lot. Uh, I yeah. respect to you for that. Uh, life is fun. Like that's why we train, right? We train to go have fun outside bikepacking and camping and hiking. Right. It's there's a lot to do out there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in my lifetime, and I'm co- totally okay with this, I'm not going to be setting any sort of strength records. Um, but I really, the one of the main reasons I train is I never want to be faced with a situation where my lack of physical ability is what makes or breaks, whatever that situation is, whether it's serious or not serious. I don't want to encounter something, whatever that thing is. Like, I can't do that because I am not agile enough, fast enough, strong enough. I can't bend in that way, things like that. So that's a big part of my fitness and you know, with outdoor activities, statistically speaking, you're probably going to encounter a lot more of the situations than you were living a sedentary lifestyle. So they kind of uh, are synergists and they blend together very well. 
Oh, for sure. And it's very, I love the name of your company, Expedition Strength. And if you can see the logo, watch on YouTube. That's a great logo right there. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, this idea was actually born in the mountains as well. Uh, my wife and I, this is last March, right before things went really south with COVID, right before the shutdown, we had planned to go up to a cabin in the woods in North Carolina outside of Asheville. And uh, by the time we got there, you know, our plan was to go to the cabin, go into Asheville and do the bar hop scene and things like that. Everything had shut down. Like this all happened in the two or three days traveling up there. So we're pretty much stuck in this cabin. Like that was a bad thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, I, I, at that point, we knew that I was going to be transitioning to a different phase of my life with this private strength coach thing. And we're working on, you know, uh, business names. We're just rattling things out. So after about a, a bottle and a half of champagne, I just floated out expedition strength. It's like, that's what we're all about. That's what it's going to be. And that's where the, uh, the idea came from a bottle and a half of champagne later in a cabin in the woods in the mountains. Oh, I love it. That's how, that's how things, my business plan started on a, on a bar napkin, uh, engagement started over a bottle of scotch. Yeah. That's real life guys. <laughs> that's how you do stuff. I love it. I love yeah. it. Your wife. Inspiration comes when we least expect it. It does. And so, and oftentimes you probably experience this too. When we're in our, I don't know, say flow state, but you're out doing your activity, you're just totally at peace. That's why I think when I, we solve a lot of problems or have these great ideas, we're like, oh, this is the path I'm going to go down literally and figuratively. So, Sean, let, let me ask you this on that topic. This is something um, I'd be curious to pick your brain about. Sure. I, I found that my best ideas and inspirations come when I'm, you know, on a bike ride, on a walk, doing something, moving meditation, if you will. And I have these brilliant ideas pop in my mind. How do you capture those without forgetting them? Because by the time I get back, it's like, ah, damn it. What was that profound idea I had? Do you have like a note-taking system when you're out and about for capturing the? Okay. Yeah. Note something like that. Great question. I, I literally have notepad to notepad and I'll get like three pages in and I'll forget it somewhere. But the phone is always with me. The voice memo really works or even notes. Yeah. And okay. So you do a voice memo. Okay. That's, that's more efficient actually. I like that. Yeah. And you can transcribe it for free. And also sometimes if you listen to a voice memo, like in the more levels of communication, my, my take it, that you can record. So I love video. I love video. Mm -hmm. So if I can record video, I can see like where I am, what I'm doing and like see the excitement and then try and relive that. And I find that is inspiring as well. And if I can capture my friends, if they're with me or my family or whoever's with me and it just heightens it. So written word is great. My handwriting is horrible. So I always type and then <laughs> I, it's atrocious. I should be a doctor just by my handwriting. And then do a voice memo. That's always nice. But honestly, if you can do a video too, which is, it looks kind of cheesy doing a video, but it's nice to reflect back on. That's a really good point because it's hard to capture context in writing. You know, you might have this profound idea that you're super excited about, but when you're just reading typed words on a screen, you don't capture all that enthusiasm maybe as versus, you know, hearing your voice or hearing how excited you were talking about it. That's a good point. I like that. Thank you. Thanks for asking that question. I had not thought about that, but that is most often what I do when I go camping like tomorrow night, I will, that's when my epiphanies happen. I'm like, Oh yes, let's yes. this content. And if I were just look at back at my written notes, I'd be like, that's an okay idea. I think I forget how I was feeling when I wrote it. So yeah, hopefully that helps you. Hopefully that I would love to Absolutely. capture those and then share it with your wife or your daughter here in the future. Like that's a good memory too. Right. Yeah. Most of my workflow is I leave the house to go outside to have these, you know, these thoughts and then the grind time actually put into action. The execution of it happens, you know, in the office or here yes. at my micro bell, at my micro kettlebell strength training facility. That's how I branded it. <laughs> I like that. Micro bell. I love it. Oh, that's great. So this is an exciting topic. So what led you to want to leave 
education administration to go into this full time? So first, um, I am very grateful for my career in education. I have nothing negative to say about it. Um, it provided me with a lot of soft skills. You know, I spent five years as a classroom teacher. I spent two years teaching mathematics to freshmen, which uh, that was a fun age group to work with. <laughs> and I, yeah, I spent three years teaching uh, economics and financial literacy to seniors. That when I reflect back on my career in education, that was probably the most fun I had. Um, then I spent five years working as an administrator in various capacities. And uh, I lucked out as well. One of my uh, favorite positions, I guess, I was a discipline dean for several years. Uh, so you're working with uh, the, the, I don't want to say troublemakers because they're kids, you know, they're teenagers. Like, like sometimes like, hey man, what you did was dumb. Here's why type of thing. Um, I, I really like that aspect of it because so much of my job was just face-to-face -face mentoring. And, and I, I absolutely love that because when I was in high school, I was that kid, you know, I know what it's like to be suspended. I know what it's like to get a referral. I know what it's like to have that phone call home to your dad and know what you're going to walk home to. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's been there, done that. So I can relate a lot to these kids that I'm working with. And um, yeah, it, it, I had a really great time. But ultimately, I feel like after 10 years, I can see myself um, more likely having three to four different decade long careers than just one 30, long, 30 uh, year long career. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like a decade's a good time in something. I wanted to make the switch because a few years ago, it hit me that all of my free time, all of my reading, everything I enjoy doing always involves strength and conditioning. And like I, you know, we started off this uh, conversation with, I feel like in the past few years, I'm finally starting to connect all the dots and put it all together. So I figured, you know, I've been bashing my head against strength and conditioning for 15, 20 years. Maybe now it's time for me to, uh, continue my uh, service to the public in a different way and take those skills that I've learned and maybe help other people flatten out and expedite that learning curve that I went through. That's fantastic. Well, <laughs> I respect this so much. And with your background and your passion, and now you get to merge them, your skill sets. Yeah. Again, strong first, you know, it's like, we don't have clients, we have students. It's like right. that blends very well. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm uh, particularly interested in the adherence part of strength and conditioning. Because, uh, you, know, you know, every New Year's resolutions, everyone starts off with a good idea. Everyone starts off Monday strong, then come Tuesday. I shouldn't say everyone, but that's what a lot of people struggle with. And, you know, I spend a career convincing teenagers who are very resistant to do things they don't want to do. So if I can take those skills and apply it to strength and conditioning, hey, maybe some great things will happen to people. <laughs> I think so. And I'm really glad you, you uh, were honest about that. Like you, I uh, made decisions that were less than desirable as a teenager, but they got me to who I am now. And now I have empathy for people who might be <clears throat> lost in this system or facing challenges outside of whatever is normal. And um, yeah, greater empathy for them and their families and knowing what it's like to make decisions that don't go as, as well as you hoped that are very nearsighted. And um, I think that any student that gets work with you is going to be very fortunate to have your background uh, from your own life as well as your professional life. Uh, so very happy for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah it was a, it's a time in my life I'll always look back on with fond memories, but I'm also very excited about what the future will hold. Oh, for sure. This is great. So uh, to offer your services, I know you're doing it virtually. Um, how does it look for you and who do you like to work with? So I'm actually really glad you asked that question. Um, I am willing to work with anybody, but I think the biggest thing I'm looking forward for is uh, patience. Mm -hmm. and trusting in the process. Cause I think that's where a lot of people mess up at. It's like, I went on a six week bicep program and my biceps haven't doubled in size type of thing. 
Um, you know, there's that continuity of the training process. So I, I truly, even though I'm a fan of kettlebells, I'm a fan of lifting heavy weights. I truly believe that do whatever it is you want to do. If elastic bands are your jam, do elastic bands in various ranges of motions. If you do that most days of the week, most weeks of the year for all the years of your life, you're probably going to be more fit and healthy than most human beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in my personal life, I found that me taking care of myself through my health and fitness actually benefited my employer because rather than coming to work, being burnt out, tired all the time, coming down from sugar crashes, things like that, which is very common in you know the corporate world, so to speak, yeah. um, by helping people take care of themselves. And that doesn't mean, you know, doing a half body weight overhead kettlebell press, just taking care of themselves, that discipline will carry over to other aspects of your of their life like you know one of the uh, things i try to live my life by which is my catchphrase for expedition strength is training discipline through strength so strength training is a tool that is actually used to build discipline being strong is awesome being fit and healthy is awesome but i think the process of becoming fit and strong or healthy or fast or mobile whatever it is that process builds discipline and then that discipline is going to carry over into other aspects of your life so it's just a tool. Strength training is a tool that um, I'd like to teach people how to how to use properly. That's fantastic. And I, I love it. And it, it kind of pulls from uh, language, I think, that Jocko uses, like discipline equals freedom, but like in a much yes. more approachable way. Um, <laughs> I'm so, not quite as hardcore as he is, but respect to Jocko. Yeah, much respect to him. It, it, and that, I think, if people understand that by having routines, structure, accountability, uh, leadership, it allows them freedom to enjoy the things that they want to go enjoy more. Um, and, li- and like you, I saw this all the time. I worked in a law firm for a long time and you're right. The sugar crashes and the food in the break room is crap. And it just, it's a very reactive culture. And I think yes. it's more of it on their own and, and it has to like you to, to lead them in the right direction. Uh, sky's the limit. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I started off feeling somewhat hypocritical because here I am, you know, branding myself as a private strength coach. And it was only in the past year, since I've gotten a ke- year and a half, I've gotten in kettlebells that I actually started receiving coaching myself. So that's kind of something else that led into me wanting to do coaching is for all those years that I was training, I mean, I'm self-educating myself on YouTube from reputable sources, but there's something different about having another human being looking at you yourself, giving you their undivided attention, nitpicking all the small things. And I like that, you know, I tried to go for good technique, helping you out, like showing him my program. Hey, here's my program next eight weeks. Oh, you should, you know, try to adjust that, do that, do that. And, um, the progress that I made once I started being receptive to coaching, again, has been exponential. This is o- overall the most happy, healthy, fittest I've been in my life. And I think a lot of that has to do with having regular check-ins with a coach. So if I can provide that to somebody else who, um, you know, maybe they're already fit and healthy, but they just want to do it better. That was, that's kind of my case. I was already fit and healthy and strong. I just wanted to do it all better, maybe with less injuries, maybe with less time commitment, you know, the minimum effective dose, I guess is the term I'm going for. I dig that. That's great. Um, can I share who you've, who you've learned from? Uh, Tim Schumann. He uh, is a strong first team leader. He's located here in Orlando with me. And uh, his big thing is he is a master of the overhead press. So obviously he helped me a lot get to my half bodily overhead press back in his prime. He uh, did two, he did 10 reps, double beast overhead press, like double beast, 48 kilograms for 10. He actually, at my SFG one, he came in for day two 
and was the guest speaker to teach the press. So that was really cool having my coach there teaching the press. Yeah. I'm like, oh God, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, my current pro training is um, I, I am working to press the beast. That is, um, I'm at 44 kilograms now. I've, I Christmas morning, actually. So a few weeks ago, I pressed a 44 kilogram for the first time. Um, yeah, that was before breakfast, before presents. I came out, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I did it, which was awesome. So now I'm trying to get those last eight pounds or so and press the beast and yeah, working with him, checking to him about once a month, you know, working on my technique, checking for programming and it's going to come give, give me a few months. It'll be here. For sure. With your dedication and the great coaching, that's fantastic. Uh, and so the 44, that's the blue handle one, right? Silver. Silver. All right. Yep. I, I, I have kettlebell kings, so maybe it's different, but yeah, silver. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm looking at it down right now. Silver, but I'm going for the gold one. You know, the beast is gold. At least kettlebell kings. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the kettlebells. Any kettlebell I'm happy with. I don't care if they're vinyl coated off of Amazon or if they're, you know, wrapper kettlebell kings. As long as you got a kettlebell. So on that topic, I um I actually had, when I was first starting off, um, you know, ripping my hands all the time, it's like, oh man, is it me or is it the kettlebell? Maybe if I had a different kettlebell with a different grip, you know, it'll help. So I went through a phase where I was, uh, as I was building my collections, just slowly over the course of many months, you know, I have the Rogue Fitness ones, I have Kettlebell Kings, um, I have the new E-Coat Rogue Fitness ones, but I'll tell you what, my favorite kettlebell is actually the ones that Strongforce is selling on their sites. Mm -hmm. I have one, I have one of them they were very expensive. Like <laughs> if you've seen the prices, but I'll tell you what, Sean, that one kettlebell, that thing feels right in the hands. It really does. Um, whatever. Cause you know, a kettlebell is just a ball of iron. So what you really pay for is the texture, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, and that, that texture works out fantastic for me. So shout out to strong first kettlebells. Heck yeah. I'll look into that. I, I have not used their kettlebells yet. The most recently, uh, Pavel was at our gym in November and we used, um, the 32 right there and a couple of the 24s and uh, those are rep fitness and that's what we used for our sfgs as well i would love to see the new ones uh from strong first for sure yep so back to strong endurance um so you you came out here to colorado and uh met Pavel. how cool is that and then um who else was presenting there was it just Pavel or was fabio there too Fabio was not there. Um, one of the guest speakers was, I think it was Derek Toshner. He oh. was the gentleman who won for like many, many years, a tactical strength challenge. And he did a quick little seminar in the snatch. Now here's something interesting is when I was at that strong endurance, I was probably the biggest noob in there. Like literally the people who went to that event had many, many years of training behind them were already SFG2, SFG elite in some cases. They were there to really learn from the master. So I'm just wide-eyed looking around. I'm like, I have a feeling I am the weakest person in this room. And that's, that's amongst the women as well. Like, and I say that with respect. <laughs> I'm like, so it, that, again, that was a humbling experience. Um, but it was really neat. Uh, I, I learned a ton. And I was actually getting there early just to get a little training session in. Because, again, I, I love training in the morning. Yeah. And everyone's there hanging out. And I'd have people come up to me. Again, I'm new at the time. And I'd have these, like, masters come up to me. It's like, hey, man, try this, try this, try that. I was doing pistol squats and somebody came up to me, gave me a few cues and I PR my pistol squat, like, you know, at seven 30 in the morning before the strong endurance event started. So it's a really neat experience. Um, there was, I ended up a, a funny story that, uh, you know, how strong first they're all black and white, like silver, no colors at all. There was one mustard green 
strong first shirt on the table that they have, you know, their gear for sale at during lunch breaks. And I'm like, so there's this entire table, black and white, strong for stuff. And there's one, I'm sorry, mustard yellow, uh, mustard yellow shirt. I'm like, what's the deal with that? And uh, Amanda was her name. She, she works with strong first yet. And she's like, well, Paul wanted to start introducing some colors and he, that's his favorite color. So we picked that color. It's like, I want that shirt right there. So I sat in the front row wearing that shirt the entire time. <laughs> and I did get called on to volunteer at one point. So maybe that had to do with it. So it's oh, so good. Yeah. Every, everyone always asks me, what's the deal with that mustard yellow shirt? And I'm like, Pavel picked it. <laughs> I, like yeah. it. I didn't know that his favorite color is mustard yellow. That, that's what I was told. I mean, we cannot take that as fact. So. I'll, I'll ask Amanda about that, but that's good to know. Uh, I yeah. do like lemon. I, I brought in some San Pellegrigio lemon flavor, and we drank those during the Strong Endurance. And Derek's a, a great teacher as well. He presented during the Strong Endurance here in town. Um, like you said, he, he the TSC, he's a beast. I don't think he even competes anymore. Um, but he's a very avid outdoorsman as well. Very, very. I, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um. Yeah, I follow him. He does the TNT Adventure Fit up, was is it Montana or North Dakota, one of the Wisconsin? Somewhere up there. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere up there. So again, like that, that's, you know, he's at a very high level, but mm-hmm. that training he does benefits him directly to his very vigorous outdoor pursuits. And that's, you know, more of what I'm into. Absolutely. And to, to your point, his point, um, the stuff that he does and, and you do for that matter are way beyond what I do. Like your bikepacking trips, his 70 mile, I think he's doing a 70 mile hike right now. I, it may look on like Instagram, I'm doing crazy stuff and it might be in, in context to some people, but I'm really only going out for like three or four hours, going up maybe 13,000 feet, coming back down going and training people and then having lunch. But you know, teach sounds like a great morning. I think so. I'm very happy with that it. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's why I train. That's why I, I work for, but yeah, I, back to your point about strong first and like the community, the family and getting tips from people, setting a PR in your pistol squat before the strong endurance events even started. That just speaks volumes and that will be, you know, mirrored by other conversations anybody has probably heard on this podcast and testament to the culture of strong first. Right. Yeah. Good. Again, I was, I was definitely attracted to the culture. Yeah. It's hard to explain because I've done plenty of certifications and they've all been very helpful, but most of them seem to end at the end of the course. Like you might take a group photograph, you might get your materials the next week and that's about it. Lucky to right. catch social media with them, if that. But with uh, with Strong First, and, it, you know, it, it's proven in your dedication of going through a kettlebell course all the way to SFG2 in a year of um, how inviting it is. Right. For sure. Yeah, and it gets to uh, when I when I first delved, delved into kettlebells, I uh, came across the Beast Tamer Challenge. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm this fresh, like, gym bro entering kettlebells. Like, oh, well, 106 pounds, overhead press, pistol squat, pull up. I can do that. So um, <laughs> failing to realize it would take me many years to train for it. So I'm just now I'm, I'm flirting with I, I hit the pistol squat. Um, I have that one on lockdown. I'm flirting with the overhead press. And then the, uh, the pull up is still <laughs> that might be a 2022 goal. But I'm, that, that's what I'm working towards. All of my uh, training now is gradually moving me towards that one goal. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you got me beat on all those. I think the um, most I've pressed was the 40. And uh, definitely not doing anything heavy with the pistol squat. Maybe 24, which is still, that's pretty good. But not beast. Yeah. Not beast uh, for reference for people out there. This is great. So uh, you kind of alluded to, what are, what are your goals going forward for your training? 
Um, so right now, my overall goal is being consistent with my training. I have a three-week-old at home, and uh, I, again, I can say that I have not missed a training session. Now, does that mean that every single – and this you know, gets back to the uh, building discipline through strength thing is are my training sessions these past three weeks, am I in here like a uh, crushing weight set in PRs? No, I'm not. The reality is, yeah, I, I am tired a lot of times. I have had a few training sessions on just a few hours of sleep and I do have to cut back the weight, sure. cut the workout short or the workout gets interrupted in the middle by a crying baby. So for the, uh, the next couple of months, I'm working on being consistent, which again, with the emphasis towards increasing my overhead press. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I have my uh, year, my annual plan kind of in the back of my mind. I'm going to do the uh, rite of passage program again once things settle down. I'm thinking about March or so. Um, for those not familiar, the rite of passage is just a classic uh, Russian kettlebell pressing program. I did it. It freaking worked. Like It worked really well. Um, it, it, is, it is a killer, though. Like, be prepared to commit your life to it, basically. Um, so I plan on doing that again, but with a heavier weight. And then I'll... Uh, that program lasts about 13 weeks. So I'm thinking maybe about May-ish, maybe sooner, April-ish, I'll, uh, I'll attempt to press the beast. Once I do that, I'm going to start over again and do the same stuff with the pull-up. There you go. Uh, I, I really enjoy um, monotonous training because, again, I, I don't train for the fun of training. I train for the five seconds of glory you have once every couple of years when you hit that PR. Um, and, yeah, like, like when I, uh, I did the simple goal, which is, you know, hundred swings in five minutes followed by 10 get-ups. All I did for like a month and a half, five days a week was swings and get-ups. I love that monotonous training. I, I really do. Um, you know, I, I have fun in other aspects of my life, outdoor activities, biking, camping, hiking, kayaking, canoeing, all that stuff. The training, I just treat as practice so I can have those, you know, couple of seconds of glory a few times a year where you hit a PR or you have an awesome lift and things like that. So, you know, I, I rough up, approximation you know like how many hundreds of hours of training went into you know for me doing my half body weight press mm -hmm. how many i think about 100 hours of training spread over the course of many months went into that one five second yay <laughs> you know and, but so that gets back to that you have to love the process you really do because those moments like that are uh, very fleeting and very hard to come by <laughs> they are oh this is great wisdom from cody this is, i love you're bringing this up um one of our mentors, Brett Jones, says to me to a very simple effect, um, results are entertaining, you know? Because a lot of people come in and they, they, not necessarily people you and I might work with, but people in general have a, a pre preconceived notion about what training is and, you know, BOSU this, and not that BOSU is a bad tool, but like very flashy, the workout of the day kind of thing without understanding like the proper trajectory. If working out's great, but like training is a little bit different trajectory of a goal, your 13 week riot passage, you know, all these things are very specific. And the result is, in my opinion, a little more uh, important than like what you did in that day, or what happened in the in the gym or what have you. So hopefully people will Correct. listen make sense to them as well. Um, yeah, because we're training for life, we're training for bigger purpose here than just in the gym. Right. And I think a lot of that depends on who you're working with, because there are some people who just I just want to be more fit. And that goes back to my thing. Pick something you enjoy doing. Do you enjoy working the elliptical? Do you enjoy rubber band use? Do you enjoy the cable machine? Like I am of the belief that for general health and fitness, do whatever you want to do, just do it consistently. But if you have a goal, you have to be much more structured um, and pay homage to the continuity of the training process. So I, I, I am of the belief I 
set a goal. I train for it until I meet that goal. Do I ever hit a goal when the time frame I had it planned to hit? No, it's generally later. <laughs> um, sometimes it's sooner. That does happen. Um, so yeah, for the goal-oriented people, you do have to pay a lot more uh, respect to the actual training process versus just doing a workout. But that, again, to each their own. Everybody trains and wants to be health, healthy and fit for various reasons. So yeah, great. No, I like the diplomatic approach here. That was very well stated. And um, yeah, you know, I work with a lot of people who just want to work out, which is great. It's a stress reliever. You know, they have kids mm-hmm. at home and like they show up to, a, I do a lot of virtual group classes and so they show up and there's a, there's camaraderie, there's accountability. They see your friends and they just want to work out. Awesome. And then there's people like we might work with who have a bigger goal of maybe it's um, hiking in less time or shaving mm-hmm. off some time on their, their run or what have you. So yeah. Consistency, no matter what, just consistency and show up and get a good coach like Cody. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Yeah, in, in my mind, you know, like my training sessions are uh, meditation for me. Like I'm in here in the mornings in the garage. It's dark out. No one's around. Uh, it's, I don't listen to music when I train. It's just me and things clanging around, but less clanging now because baby's sleeping right next to me. Right. Um, yeah, it really is like that hour a day where it is just my time and it's and it, it is meditative for me. It really is. Um, I can't recall the last time I listened to music when actually training. Me? That's just how I roll. <laughs> this is going to sound funny. It's either a podcast, Baroque music, or nothing. Lately, it's been nothing. My wife is working from home too now. So she's in HR. So she's often doing orientations and such. And so I'm trying to be as quiet as possible over here. Just chill. Right. <laughs> motions, pets and dogs. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't mind me and my kettlebells. I'll be over here in the corner. That's right. Just working on some stuff. Oh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I can't believe an hour flew by just like that. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Very easy to talk to. Um, so, okay. Thank you for breaking down uh, your path from SFG, from kettlebell course to SFG too, which right there is incredible. And then very ha- proud of you for going from, from a teaching decade of teaching and administrative to going into this kind of teaching, which I mean, you already had the skill set for this. You're going to be serving your students very well. And I really enjoyed hearing about your outdoor adventures with your wife. That's super cool to get the wife right. out. And then I'm sure Skylar will be out there soon enough with you. So, well, Cody, um, where can people find out more about you on the internet? So if you uh, Google search expedition strength, you're going to come across a uh, company that makes beard oil. I believe I'm not quite on the first uh, search page of Google yet. Work in progress. I got to work on that SSO search engine optimization oh, yeah. or SOO. Um, but you can email me at Cody at expeditionstrength.training, or you can just go to expeditionstrength.training, my website, which is still a work in progress. It looks great. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Expeditionstrength.com. And then if you want to see a picture of Cody's uh, consistency <laughs> on Instagram, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, on Instagram, I'm at Cody Jarrett 42. Uh, and most photos are pretty much just a picture of the clock in my gym every single morning. It's off by a few minutes. So, you know, it's an original photo every morning. Um, and I generally, uh, just have a little blurb or two about what's in my mind, what I'm feeling, what's going on, uh, nothing too profound, but yeah, it's there every morning. If, Hey, if consistency builds success, never said it's exciting, but it's there. It is true. I, the first 10 or t- uh, 15 times I saw my, like, is this the same picture? Then I realized they're not like, that's consistent. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, this has been a blast. Well, I'll have uh, links below where to get a hold of Cody. And uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom 
Uh, thank you for sharing your stoke on outdoor adventure. I, I have notes that I've learned from you over here on what gear to look into for bike packing. So I appreciate that on a personal level. And I, I have taken away the uh, cue for verbal notes when you have those profound moments of inspiration while out hiking. Oh, yeah. So it is the best tool you have. Yeah. Always have with you. Awesome. And gearmic.com listeners and viewers, hope you found it helpful. I know you did. This is Sean Sewell signing off. Until next time, take care.